You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update with the stories, stats, headlines, and rumors people are talking about to get you caught up on all things regarding the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Rotating guests with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, presented by DraftKings, begins now. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to today's episode of KCSN Update, presented by our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Tucker Franklin, and today I'm hanging out with one of my good friends, Brett Coleman, of you name it. He's got all kinds of stuff. The Bootleg Football Podcast, the Film Room uh, YouTube channel, his self-titled YouTube channel, Brett Coleman. Uh, Brett, how have you been? I know that you guys have been grinding out the content. And how has that been so far as we are uh, literal, it seems like, hours away uh, from the time of recording this podcast. We are hours away from a preseason football game happening. We're almost done. You know, we we, we had a little delay because I uh, was traveling too much and got uh, deathly ill in the middle of summer somehow. Um, and so we're, we're like a week behind on releases, but we're finally at our last division. We're finally at the AFC East. Uh, you know, we just released the Jets episode the day we're recording this and then we're talking uh patriots and then dolphins bill you know all the main competition for the chiefs obviously uh and then and then by the time we're done with that we'll have preseason games to talk about so we don't really get an off-season break this year not gonna lie that's what happens you do it you do it to yourself sometimes we've been in that position as well with the chiefs and i was talking with uh matt verderam and seth kaiser a couple guys who cover the chiefs and matt verderam now now nationally for Sports Illustrated, about how quick it seems like this offseason has felt. And from our perspective, too, covering the Chiefs, the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, it feels like, a couple weeks ago. The draft was, I think, yesterday, and it seems like now the Chiefs are getting ready to play a preseason game on Sunday. It all seems like it's going so much faster than it had in years past. It's a 24-7, 365 sport now. And it's the only one I could think of that's like that. You know, because the NBA... There's like the NBA draft and, you know, there's the the weak burst of NBA offseason. And it goes quiet for like three months. You know, baseball goes quiet after the World Series. There's a winter meetings. And then you don't really hear anything till spring training, right? When everybody's going down to Arizona or whatever. NFL, like, other than a tiny little maybe three-week pocket in June, there's something every single month. And even then this year, that tiny little three-week pocket in June had all like the franchise tag drama there was the DeAndre Hopkins, will he, won't he thing going on. Like, you know, who was getting hard knocks. Like, there was still stuff to talk about. Uh, so we didn't we didn't really have a true offseason. And I think that's by design from yeah. the league because they want this to be a year-round thing. It's going to be even more interesting when they go to the 18, when they eventually go to the 18-game season and they add probably that extra bye week in there that's going to lengthen the season by a week again. Then you could have the Super Bowl uh, the day before President's Day. Then it's actually a uh, a holiday after the Super Bowl. That's the way to do it, I think. They're they're playing with fire because there's millions of men across the country that if you put the Super Bowl around Valentine Valentine's Day weekend, it's true. There's going to be some issues. So I'd rather go a week earlier than a week later because we need a buffer here. That's true. Got to have got to have that buffer. That's a good way to put it. But. Uh, Brett, you're here to talk uh, some Kansas City Chiefs with me. The biggest story, obviously, out, obviously going right now, is the Chris Jones. You kind of talked about the DeAndre Hopkins, will he, won't he? It's been a Chris Jones, will he, won't he, at this point. But he is under contract, obviously, for this year. And he's been holding out. He's very quickly approaching that $1 million fine mark. He's 
uh, gives the fifty thousand dollars each day. I believe it's Monday. He hits that one million dollar fine mark. Probably a lot of money that a lot of other things that he could have spent a million dollars on uh, instead of fines. But first, general thoughts. I want to get just some some high arching, some high level thoughts about the the whole Chris Jones situation. Then we kind of divulge into it a little bit more. I think a he's in the financial position where he doesn't necessarily care about a million dollars, which sounds insane to me. Right. Like, how can you not care about a million? Because I, I think in his head, he's like, well, I'm about to make a hundred, so I could just get that million back on the back end of the deal. But at the same time, um, there's a problem here because, and you and I were talking right before this show, like the gap between number one and number two in the defensive tackle market, even all these guys that just got massive extensions, like, you know, Quinnen Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, all these guys are at the very top of the defensive tackle ecosystem. They're still significantly behind Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald might be the greatest not just interior defensive linemen, but defensive linemen, period, to have ever played the sport. So, yeah, he's going to be the highest paid, but at the same time, Chris Jones, two-time Super Bowl winner, future Hall of Famer in his own right, lock for Chiefs Ring of Honor, is probably like one or two good years away from being a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he's like, what am I, chop liver? Like, you can't get me close to the other Hall of Fame defensive tackle in the league right now? Um, so I'm I'm sure he wants... 30 plus million I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be willing to do that but he definitely doesn't want to be paid in the same realm as the young guns that in his mind probably haven't proven as much as he has so I would imagine they're going to end up somewhere around like 27 28 maybe yeah um but who knows when that's actually going to happen right because Jones has the financial ability to hold out the Chiefs hold all the cards themselves. Like they're not going to pay 30 plus million. They don't absolutely have to. So like, I, I don't know when this is going to resolve itself. Could it bleed into the regular season? Maybe, but it's just, it's kind of a, it's a standoff of the most frustrating caliber because neither side really has to budge here. Yeah. And, And we usually talk about with both of these sides, Deals get done with deadlines, right? And there were some deadlines, but really the hard deadline is the first game of the season, September 7th, I believe is when they when they play. That is the hard deadline uh, for Chris Jones to, you know, obviously he needs to be back before that with the team. But the holdout, I think, kind of threw a wrench in a whole lot of things. But uh, talking about what happened on Thursday, Brett, there's been reports that Chris Jones had, had reportedly, this is from Nate Taylor from The Athletic, he had, he had reportedly wanted at least $30 million a year, and I don't think from his point of view that that's too outrageous to ask for, truthfully. Just turned 29 in, J- in July. Uh, I think that's kind of the holdup on the Chiefs in is kind of the age and the years in terms of what that is. If you're going to pay him, it's probably a, a you're looking at a four-year deal to kind of disperse that money out a little bit. He's getting on the other side of 30, and the Chiefs traditionally don't like to sign guys on that other side of 30 to long-term deals. So I can see that holdup from them. Do you see any discrepancy? Obviously, it came out today on Thursday that the Chiefs said that they are unwilling to make him the highest-paid defensive lineman in the NFL with the way that Aaron Donald's contract. I think he's at $31.6 million APY. Uh, currently, his cap hit right there, this uh, Chris Jones cap hit for 2023, currently is $28 million. Um, so it's going to be incredibly interesting to see how they do approach this if they do come to a long-term contract. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, the contract that he's... Uh, seemingly asking for. Now, it hasn't been confirmed that he's saying this, but these are reports from leaked sources. 
What I would try to, and there's a couple different ways you can approach this, right? Because again, he's not on the wrong side of 30 yet. So if they want to get him up to the 30 million, like if that's important to him, like let me, let me get to the $30 million a year. Let me advance the defensive tackle market. There's nothing necessarily stopping them from doing the Saints method with void years, right? Have it be like essentially a two-year deal with two extra void years, spread that thing out. Have it be like a, let's say it's $62 million deal, right? Get into 31. But have it spread over four years using void years to lower the cap hits because I know they're, they're still trying to manage that, right? Um, yeah. That is an option. And then essentially he becomes a free agent again at 31, I think it would be, right? So it's like he still has the opportunity after advancing the defensive tackle market to still cash in again if he's playing at a high level. Um, you could play around with either likely to be earned or unlikely to be earned bonuses. Um, because let's say, how many sacks did he get last year? Like 15 and a half. 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. So like that's a pretty high bar to meet for likely to be earned bonuses. So you could put a significant chunk of that money into a likely to be earned bonus for like 15 sacks, right? And if he doesn't get to it, then guess what? They get refunded that cap next year anyway, right? And so it's a if there's there's mechanisms you can use to get him up to the 30 without either A being tied to it when he's like 32 years old or B, um, you know, being forced to pay that if he's not performing the level that he was last year. I'm not saying he won't perform that level. I'm just saying like if they feel uneasy about it, there are things they can do. The question is, will Jones accept that? You know, will he accept a Saints style, essentially two-year deal with two void years in the back end? Will he accept a big chunk of money being tied to can you go get 15 sacks as a three technique which is hard to do yeah i don't know if he'd say yes to it but that might be the only way to get him up to 30 billion at this point it's going to be really interesting to see if they do come to a deal i don't i mean it's possible that they don't come to a deal chris jones reports and he plays on this final year of his contract as i mentioned 28 million dollar cap it's not nothing and I think that was a big motivation for the Chiefs to get something done is so that they could kind of restructure that this year that he's on right now so that cap it wouldn't be as big as it is right now. Because if you start to look at what the Chiefs have, they've got, according to uh, SpotTrack, they've got the least amount of cap available, about $500,000, I should say. Um, but I think with the Chiefs, especially with the Charles Aminihue suspension and what they need to do on the defensive line, uh, if they wanted to add somebody else, now they could probably add Carlos Dunlap. We've talked about this before on the on the network, where they could probably add Carlos Dunlap at the veteran minimum, where it wouldn't count for the top fifty-one that goes against their uh, cap with the uh, veterans signing benefit, uh, the way it goes. But it's it's going to be incredibly interesting to see how these two sides come together. And Brett, I want to get your thoughts, kind of on the holdout. And not necessarily if you expected Chris Jones to hold out, but have are, are you surprised how long this holdout has lasted? Because of the resources he has available to him, I'm not really surprised by it. Um, and another option that I think uh, might happen here is they kick the can down the road in the form of a one-year deal. Because mm-hmm. if you look at cap space next year for the Chiefs, they have $52 million in projected cap space next year, which is one, two, three, four, ninth highest in the NFL. So they mm-hmm. do have wiggle room next year. They just have to get off of the, you know, between the rock and the hard place they're in right now because they have less than a million available. I think it's like 
$748,000 available right. right now, right? Yeah. So what if they come to the table and be like, let's do a one-year deal worth a metric shit ton of cash mm-hmm. so that we can push some of that from this year into next year, have next year's cap hit be massive, but it'll give us another year to work on something, Yeah. right? Um, that That's what they could do, right? Because they could essentially have, here's 30 million in cash guaranteed, and then we, we just push some stuff uh, to next year. Like they could very easily do that. And I would get him in the building, get him into game shape, quicker so he's not trying to get in the game shape during september and again it gives him and his agent 12 more months to work on this like i yeah if anything that actually might be the most likely thing because then he stops taking fines he gets into shape the agent gets a little cut right because the agent's motivated by that yeah and they get another year of seeing how the defensive tackle market moves to 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 do something either more long term or you know, let him let him go to the market. I'm interested too. You just brought that up, and, it, and it, I haven't done the research into this. And I, what are the? I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. What are some of the defensive tackles that could be up for free agency next season? Uh, I was trying to look. That I up. do actually have that. Uh, oh, let's go. Yeah, here we go. Free. I have the free agency thing right now. Perfect. So if we're looking at interior defensive linemen yep. for 2024 specifically. So Leonard Williams is up next year. Um, obviously, Chris Jones, uh, DJ Reader, Grover Stewart, who's an underrated nose. Uh, Fletcher Cox, even though he's going to be thirty-five, um, he's up next year. Sheldon Rankins, Danico Autry, um, let's see, Daquan Jones, Calais Campbell, still kicking around. Like they're, it's not the same as this year. Uh, Christian Wilkins, technically, uh, even though he might still get done any day now. Uh, yep. But Christian Wilkins theoretically is scheduled to become a free agent next year. Um, Puna Ford, again, the ageless Al Woods. Tershawn Wharton, definitely going to reset the market. Uh, <laughs> so, like, there, there's definitely guys, but the biggest names were this year. So, other than Wilkins, I don't necessarily see anybody um, besides Chris Jones that could that could reset the market next year again. Interesting. Yeah, though that's uh, that was kind of my thought process. If there's anybody else in there that could really um, reset that that market, but you know, DJ Reader looks like they're the same age when it comes to. I mean, they obviously play two different roles, but DJ Reader, a guy that's given the Chiefs a little bit of struggles on the interior of that Cincinnati line, but uh, he keep, might keep be able mind. to. Uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off. No, keep in good. mind the year after that, and again, all these guys are at least three years in the league, so they can do it early if they want to. Yeah. The year after that is DeForest Buckner coming up again, Kenny Clark coming up again. Um, Derek Brown is due for his big extension by then. Um, so, like, there there are still some uh, Christian Barmore by then, you know, is going to be uh, three years in the league. Not that the Patriots usually do stuff early. Right. But, like, there are guys that at that point, like, even Aaron Donald's actually scheduled in 2025 again, too. So, like, there are guys at that point who could again stack even more money on top of this thing so we'll see mm. we'll see gonna be interesting uh but brett we gotta take a break when we get back we're gonna talk a little bit more about something else other than chris jones how about that i know some cheese kingdom might be a little bit tired of us talking about chris jones we're gonna talk about some other stuff coming up right after this thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app 
Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hanging out with Brett Coleman here on today's KCSN update presented by our friends at DraftKings. Uh, Brett, when I had actually originally messaged you about uh, a podcast, I think I sent you a meme of Bernie Sanders is what it was. And it says, uh, can I interest you in a platform to talk about Justin Ross? And I, we've seen you tweet about Justin Ross and, and kind of Justin Ross's ability that he's been able to show this camp and it was no surprise that he was an athletic football player, a good football player at Clemson before his injuries. He gets hurt his first year in Kansas City with that with that foot injury, has surgery, put on the IR, ended his season, and his first camp with the Chiefs, seemingly doing pretty well. And he gives them a different element than what they have in everybody else, right? Like Kadarius, when he's healthy, you know, whenever that is. Um, Kadarius is more of a, a separator slash guy who can, you know, give stuff out of the backfield, more of an in, inside player, right? Um, you know, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is like a pure speed threat. But in terms of, like, go up and get it, jump ball guys that pack and throw back shoulder to outside, they didn't really have that in their receiving core, right? right. Um, Justin Ross not only can give them that element, but I think that he also gives them a little bit more size in the receiving core to help in the run game. Um, he gives them uh, red zone ability, like he's tough over the middle. I don't necessarily think he has the same gas vertically that he did early in his college years, because again, the injuries kind of stack up, but 
Like I wouldn't consider him slow. Right. So I, I just think he gives them a different element outside than what they have throughout the rest of the receiving core, which is a bunch of either uh, not super physical go up and get it speed guys like MVS or, you know, slot separators like Tony, Richie James, Nico Rubio, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I truly think either him or Rasheed Rice is going to be that role for them this year. I bet more on Justin Ross than Rasheed Rice. Uh, nothing against Rasheed Rice. I just think Justin Ross has been having a phenomenal July and August so far. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think coming into this this uh, training camp, I really just wanted to see it from Justin Ross. So, you know, you mentioned did the injury stacking up. You never know what you're going to get after that. And to be able to see him go out there and, and perform well against the first teamers, uh, getting some reps with the, with the ones, with Patrick Mahomes, with the other wide receivers out there has been pretty impressive. And you mentioned Rasheed Rice a little bit too. A couple guys where the, it looks like the Chiefs are trying to kind of throw those 50-50 balls a little bit more. Those are a couple guys with some pretty good ball skills that you can you throw the ball up to out there on the boundary. Something the Chiefs really haven't done a whole lot of, and it looks like they might be trying to do that a little bit more, which is kind of exciting when you think about Patrick Mahomes and his deep ball ability. We know it, uh, you know the, the, the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow obviously do that all the time, but an, abil- an, an area of this offense that we haven't seen a whole lot with Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their offensive stats last year, this is just off the top of my head, um, they were 31st or tied for 31st, which really means they were tied for last in the NFL in terms of air yards percentage, meaning the percentage of their passing yards coming through the air, which means conversely, they were first in yards after catch. Now, they were also still first in yards per attempt. So I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that they were a major yak heavy offense. They were roughly tied with San Francisco in that metric, who people more see as a yak-heavy offense. But it just means that um, they got their yards and their chunk plays in different ways than just bombing it down the field like we had seen in like, you know, 2018, 2019, that, that type of era. Now, having Patrick Mahomes have the ability to go vertical or play the whole kind of dink and dunk get yak game is a cheat code. Because not very many quarterbacks can do both. He can obviously do both at an elite level. Um, but it would be nice for them to to have the ability to go vertical and win those 50-50 balls. Um, because they, I, oddly, other than Tyreek, I don't necessarily think they've had a, a wide receiver that could do that, right? Right. Um, that being said, on the Rasheed Rice thing, I'm actually surprised at how many 50-50 balls that he's won in camp so far. Because if you look at his tested catch rate at SMU, it was like 24, 25%. Like, he he was not a contested catcher in college, like people think. You, know, you look at the size profile and everything, everybody's like, oh, he's going to go up and win it. It's like, well, he didn't do that in college. Now he gets to the NFL, all of a sudden he's doing it. So, you know, egg on my face. But um, it's a nice development to see from him that all of a sudden he might be a guy that you could just throw it up to and say, go get it. Yeah. He, I've seen this take on social media from, from the national people who saw some of our clips that we've been tweeting out at KC Sports Network from camp that he looks like a different receiver than what he did in college. Like, it doesn't, he does, like, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly is that he doesn't look like the same receiver, which is, 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 is in some sense a good thing. Uh, because that, like what he's been able to do so far this camp, he's looked like he's really acclimating well with the defense. He can run, and like the Chiefs and like those guys that can run, and he's been able to uh, to get on the same page with Patrick Mahomes there. But as we found out after the draft, he'd been with Patrick Mahomes the whole time, even while 
Uh, he was down there with uh, Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers were down there. Rasheed Rice was there as well. Um, so no one really uh, will bring up uh, Rasheed Rice. But I do think that wide receiver room is very interesting. When you talk, start to look at the makeup, the reports are out now that Kadarius Tony is going to be healthy for week one and ready to go. Just kind of holding them back a little bit. Don't want to keep him from himself, right? I don't want I feel like we do this every year at this point with Kadarius. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I think I was looking at his injury history just because I was curious. I'm like, okay, what all has been? He's had like shoulder, and then a lot of it's been lower body, really. He had that shoulder at, at Florida. Um, but a lot of it's been lower body, and a lot of it has happened in training camp. Like, he's, I don't no, know if he, he is... gets hurt every summer. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like some guys, you know, when they first start actually playing football again, like against competition, and they're not just doing drills and workouts and stuff like that, that's when things break. Yeah, and that just happens to him. Like as soon as as soon as it's like, hey, we're doing eleven on eleven. Like that's when stuff goes wrong, and I, I have no explanation for it. That's just how his body is. It's very odd, but you know, I'm more concerned about Kadarius Tony's health when it comes to like the playoffs than it, than necessarily Week One and stuff like that. I think that's a general consensus around Kansas City. I was even for putting him on the IR and just being like, hey, you know what? <laughs> just just wait four weeks. Uh, just wait four weeks, and then you can get back into it. Uh, but. But they're confident that he'll be back by week one. Same thing with Isaiah Pacheco when it comes to the clearance of his shoulder. Uh, he's ready to go, obviously, but he just hasn't been cleared by doctors and with that shoulder surgery uh, that he had last year. But the, but I, I say all that to say this wide receiver room is very interesting when you look at the jump that Sky Moore has taken already in camp. MVS has a, been a, has a solid roster spot. One of the guys, too, I don't know, uh, Brett, if you had the opportunity, I know you've been very busy to watch that quarterback series, but there were a couple of times in there where MVS was going to Patrick Mahomes and saying, like, hey, this is here, let's do this here. And I don't know if I've ever seen uh, other wide receivers go to Patrick Mahomes and say that type of stuff to him. Well, he was used to doing that type of stuff in Green Bay with Aaron. Right. Right? Because, you know, with Aaron, a lot of times, like, they would just draw stuff up in the dirt, him and his receivers. Um, and so he's used to that kind of communication. He's used to that kind of feedback. Because receivers, again, are are going to see things – from a different angle than quarterbacks. They're going to be able to get a different set of eyes on here's how they're rotating. You know, when we get this stuff pre-step against this formation or, and you know, against this motion, here's how they respond to it. I can win by doing so-and-so, right? Yeah. And so Green Bay is notorious, well, at least with Rodgers, they were notorious for just like making shit up on the fly. And I think that uh, MBS brings that type of energy uh, with him with another quarterback like Mahomes who can make it up on the fly if he really needs mm-hmm. to. So uh, I think he's valuable to that receiving core, especially as probably the oldest guy there, right? I would imagine he is. Yeah, I think off the top of my head, he'd have to be. Um, um, but I think that's that veteran presence and knowledge and ability to improvise is hugely valuable for this team. Absolutely, and I think the biggest story that we've we've really been talking about outside of the Chris Jones stuff, obviously, is wide receiver six, right? They signed Richie James. They have Justin Ross. Who is that going to be that guy that makes wide receiver six? Do they keep seven wide receivers? They don't have a fullback this year. First time, and it seems like the Indy Reader in Kansas City that they don't have a fullback uh, in, in camp. But don't me, he, oh, he's making it. He's listen. Everything has been very positive about Nico Remigio. There just might be too many cooks in the kitchen for him there at wide receiver. Um, I love to see a little H back action for Nico. He might be a little too small for that. Well, he could also return. People forget that he was one of the best return men in all of college football. He's very good at returning. He's they've been putting him back there on punt return, and he is quick. 
Um, they've been doing a lot of punt returns with him uh, out there. We got to see him firsthand at the Shrine Bowl, too, as well. Uh, I know Aaron Gacko, big fan of uh, Nico Rumihio. But um, I, I think it's super interesting what they do offensive structure-wise. We know the Chiefs love their tight ends, and they'll probably keep four tight ends. But do they sacrifice a tight end, Brad, do you think, to keep an extra receiver like a Richie James? It's tough because I know they like Fortson. Um, yep. Noah Gray, I guess, can be fullback. He can. He can. Because uh, they don't have one. So it's like, but they're still going to want to do two back runs. So they're still going to have to de- have somebody do that, right? Yeah. It's not going to be yeah. Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, the Blake Bell QB sneak, uh, even if they only need it 10 times a year, like, they need it when they really need it. So it's like, I think he's worth keeping around just for like the 15 snaps a year where it's like, shit, we really need Blake Bell on the field right now. Um, so I don't know. I think they do carry for personally because they all kind of bring something different that's also like very necessary. And keep in mind, this offense uh, majored in 12 and 13 personnel more than anybody else in the NFL last year. So they're all going to get snaps. I think what could happen... I haven't really thought about this until just now when you brought this up, Brett. Uh, Jody Force has been dealing with a shoulder injury during camp. He like went out the first day of, out of practices and mm-hmm. hasn't been back. I wonder if they have him make the initial 53, put him on the IR, and then that's how they can keep a wide receiver that could clear waivers. You'd have to have a wide receiver that could clear waivers, uh, which I think Richie James would. I don't know. Yeah, Richie James, James is a better shot, I think, than Ramiho because think- Ramiho's returnability, right? I don't also think that Justin Ross would touch waivers either. I don't think that he not, if, no. if he touches waivers, he's not coming back to Kansas City. Maybe Watson. Could you risk Watson? Fell a two year deal. I don't know how much that like plays into it, but I think if they cut him, it's pretty significant in terms of dead money. But if he comes back, does that contract just is it a new contract at that point, I guess? I don't know. I think if you get cut, then it is a new contract. I think. Mm-hmm. I got to double check. Uh, I, I got to double check on that. That's a CBA thing. I probably don't know. Um, I've been spending too much time reading the CBA about Pat. Brett, did you know? I was, this is going to be a tangent. Uh, I was reading about padded practices in, in training camp. Uh-huh. They can only have three padded practices in a row. Um, and they can only have the three sections. So they can only have three days in a row, three times, if that makes sense, during training camp. So they can only have nine yeah, padded practices. So, as in, can you have more than nine if you if you don't put them in a row? Mm, that's a good question. I think it just said you can only I because the Chiefs had two in a row, and I I think that you can have the math is going to be tough for this one on me. I think you can, but if you don't put them in a row, you also have to have that five day acclimation period at the beginning. Now it's now five days instead of four days from the old CBA. Yeah. Um, but then that kind of takes away five practices right there off the top. I don't know if you have enough if you're going to do three padded practices, then you have to have a walkthrough day after that. Like you have to have a, a helmet only day. Um, and depending on which day you're actually playing the game. Correct. Because some, some teams play on Thursday, like today, and some teams play Sunday, like Chiefs. Right. Um, you know, everybody's reporting on different days. Not to mention, yep. if you're doing joint practices, they might be on different schedules than. That's tough. I don't know. I, I have to assume that stuff gets worked out over summer when oh everybody try to determine like what can we do, when can we do it, what are the teams that we're working with for joint practices. Um, 
Is who are the Chiefs doing joint with this year? They don't do joint. Uh, they don't do joint at all? Nope. Andy Reid is not a joint guy. He says too many things can happen in those joint practices. They don't. Because of the fights? Is that is that the... I think so, yeah. Uh, inju- injuries, fights, yeah, they don't do joint practices. I mean, I'm not going to knock it because they keep winning Super Bowls, but that uh, they might be the only teams that I know of that actively avoids it. Yeah, I mean, they could be. I know that the Giants and the Lions did one. I think I saw a clip of uh, someone saying Kayvon Thibodeau beat Pene Sewell. And he did not. He did not beat him. <laughs> he did not, beat, did not beat him at all. Didn't even get close <laughs> to the quarterback number one, and then yeah. wasn't even in his rush lane number two. Uh, that's for a different podcast probably, but... I, I find it wildly, I've been reading the CBA in my free time just because I find it wildly interesting in terms of like per diems and travels and all that uh, so, such that they have in there. But uh, training camp is, uh, has been rolling along and, and so are we here on the KCS update. But we're going to take one more break. When we get back, let's talk some defense. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball here uh, for these Kansas City Chiefs. We'll be right back right after. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hanging out with Brett Coleman here on today's KCSN Update presented by our friends at DraftKings. Season's right around the corner. I'm sure they got those numbers out for those uh, Patrick Mahomes over-unders. Go ahead and smash the over on all of them. doesn't matter which one it is. That's not a gambling advice. But, uh, Brett. I'm curious your thoughts on the Chiefs defense. We've had some conversations about the defense before. That was prior to training camp, obviously. We've seen the Chiefs do a little bit of this 3-3-5, going a little stack with the, with the, with the nickel instead of the 4-2-5. Thoughts on that, and and I want to know your thoughts. I've, I've been asking people this this week. I'm a little weary about it, especially when it comes to playing a team like the Detroit Lions in Week 1 who can run the football. Uh, having just three down linemen up there, it seems like that, that might be be a little uh be a little aggressive but uh, thoughts on the Chiefs working a little bit more on that 335 I think it depends on uh on how a the offense lines up uh personnel grouping are they under center or are they not under center you know cuz the Lions if you look at their offense last year like they were under center a lot um I don't necessarily think they're going to call that uh, if the Lions get two tight ends out there and they're under center. I would have to imagine, A, they're probably going to be a base. and But either way, they're still going to give a four-man service against that just because they're, they're not going to leave bubbles all over the place in the front. Um, if they're doing 3-3-5, I think they're probably, and I don't know if, if the reports add any sort of context, I would imagine that's like against 11 personnel only, uh, against spread looks only, uh, I and if stuff gets condensed in eleven personnel, they're probably bringing that extra um, edge slash defensive end, whether it's Felix, Carl Optus, whoever. Probably just making it a four man service anyway. So I would I would want to see the film tied to those reports of like, well, right. what were they repping it against? Because there's certain looks where it's like, yeah, you know, you want to run like a Big Twelve style defense against it, like the spread pass game. Sure, fine. Uh, but I doubt they were repping that against like, oh, we're lighting up an I formation. Like they probably weren't doing that. Right. And, and I do think in some instances it does make sense because as I've talked to, talked with uh, Matt Verderam, I think made, made this point yesterday is that the strength of this Chiefs defense might actually be its linebacking core this year. Like that, that might be uh, the best players on this Chiefs defense with Nick Bolden. Um, when you talk about Willie Gay. Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel even, throw him in there because he had a really good uh, playoff run there too. 
the Chiefs have a lot of guys that they can put in at that three, those three linebacker spots. So it almost makes a little bit of sense to say, okay, we'll go three linemen if we can add an extra linebacker here with Drew Tranquil, really good coverage linebacker, uh, ability to, to cover the pass as well if he needs to. And he has the ability to blitz because I believe he had five and a half sacks last year with the Chargers. A guy that I think can really be a, a huge chess piece for Steve Spagnuolo, and I wonder how much that that can actually allow Spagnuolo to open up those bag of tricks that he did have in New York when he was with uh, beating Tom Brady in Super Bowls. It's very possible, also, you know, since you bring up Chanel, uh, like their way to get him on the field if they're doing three three five type things. It's possible if they want to go with like the Marcus Freeman type, like Iowa State defense. Um, which he brought a lot of that over to the Notre Dame stuff where yeah. we're lining up in like odd fronts or three-man services and then we take this giant hulking 245-pound plus linebacker and we basically are blitzing our way into either an over front or an under front mm. and you know we're we're slanting the nose into whatever gap we need him to slant to and then we have this giant linebacker who essentially on the run becomes a three technique, right? To either the pass to either the strong side or the weak side. So either we're we're basically just getting into at the snap an under front or an over front, and we're saying, okay, offensive line, sort this shit out. Yeah, uh, you know, because we're changing the picture on you. It's possible, like, and again, I would need to see the tape to see if that's what they're doing. But like, that is something that a lot of college defenses are doing if they can get the right linebacker for it. Of basically like. We're in this front. You know we're not going to stay in it, but we're not going to tell you where where we're putting the bubble. Uh, so I would like to see them do that with Leo Chanel just to be able to get him on the field. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they are. It can be very exciting what Steve Spagnuolo can do this year. I keep thinking about the second-year secondary and, and kind of those guys being a little bit more comfortable with what their roles are back there. It kind of opened up a whole lot more windows for Steve Spagnuolo to pull out some absolutely crazy stuff. Jerry C hasn't been practicing for a while, but he's probably one of the best blitzing slot cornerbacks in the league. Uh, the ways that you can, you have to respect his ability over there. Leo Chanel, as you mentioned, a good blitzer. You've got Drew Tranquil on the field at the same time. He's a blitzer that's also very respectable in the pass coverage game. Nick Bolden, I think a lot in the playoffs, they walked him up and kind of mugged some some A gaps there to make you know teams respect him, and he's got that ability to drop back into his own still if he needs to. It, it, I think that there's a lot of different avenues. Now we now then we can switch the conversation to the defensive line where Charles Minnick gets suspended for the first six games of the season. That kind of puts a little bit of a, a wrinkle, a little bit of a damper on things uh, for uh, the, the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo. But what are your thoughts on that suspension and kind of how the Chiefs get through it with what they have? I don't know the details on what happened. Uh, yep. All I saw was like violation of like personal conduct policy. That was the first time I heard about it. I was like, what violation? So... I, I there's a story about it that I don't know, so I can't really comment on like was it a good suspension or whatever. But right from a, a football perspective, it hurts, right? Because this is somebody who can play everything from three technique to five technique to if we are going into a four man service, put him at six technique over a tight end and say go go you know murder that dude. So it that's tough. That's a big loss. Um, Again, I, I think they will get through it because they're the Chiefs. They'll be fine. But I have to assume that will significantly alter what they could have done front-wise in their first month of the half of the year. And um, 
I think they're going to feel it, especially in the Lions game. Yeah. Um, because that is a very multiple offense, and the best way to beat a multiple offense is to have a multiple defense. And now that's a big tool, uh, a big club in their bag that they don't have. So it's it's going to hurt. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Charles Manny, who obviously can still practice, he can still play in these preseason games. So be interested to see how many, if like the reps that he does get. He's a veteran, so I don't know if he'll get a whole lot of reps. So it's going to probably be up to him how much he wants to play in these first preseason games. But uh, Brett, thank you for hopping on. Prior to the Chiefs' very first preseason game versus the New Orleans Saints in the Caesar Superdome, I messed that up yesterday. I called the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Can't mess up my sponsorships, Brett. They changed the name. Yeah, they changed it. Caesar Superdome is what it is now. Okay, well, I, so for a while, Mercedes sponsored two stadiums of two different yep. rivals. So <laughs> probably a good thing that they got out of that one. That division is something. Um, they're fun. They're they're not going to score many points. But that is a word. I, I, yeah. I say that as a compliment to all the defenses there rather than a slight to the offense because they're all good defenses. Yes, good call. Uh, yeah, when you start to look at the offenses, you're like, oh, not, <laughs> not very good offenses there. But yes, uh, nevertheless, the Chiefs will be down there in New Orleans on Sunday. That is a noon kickoff game. Maybe the one, maybe one of the only few times you get to see Patrick Mahomes on noon on a Sunday uh, kickoff against the well, if Patrick Mahomes even plays. We don't know that quite yet. But uh, Brett, again, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for today's episode of KCS and Update. Sponsored by DraftKings. Make sure to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. We've got so much more getting you ready for the Kansas City Chiefs first preseason game of the season coming up this Sunday. So I'm Tucker Franklin. I'll be back with you guys next week. So until then, I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.